Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church, Auburn, where we sit down weekly with our pastor, Eric Zellner, and seek to apply God's Word to our daily lives. We hope that this podcast will profit you as you join us. Welcome to the Christ Presbyterian Church Podcast. I'm your host, William Skinner, and I'm joined by Pastor Eric Zellner. Eric, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me today, William. Uh, we're glad you're here. And this is uh, our first podcast, and we're happy to be to be blessed to be bringing it to you all. And we're going to start the first podcast in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1. So, Eric, if it's good with you, can we go ahead and read the text? Yeah, let's take, let's take time to do that. All right. Here's the text. And for any listeners who would like to read along, uh, we'll be using the English Standard Version, the ESV. Beginning in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was, was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse, and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons, and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. 
and there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every creeping thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. So, Eric, the reason, I guess, that we wanted to talk, or wanted to hear your thoughts on this text was because... There's a lot of voices on on this text today, and uh, I guess we would like to equip our listeners with with the tools to be able to understand what does the author want us to glean from this text? What does God want us to to glean uh, when we humbly come to this text? So could you maybe explain to me how to understand Moses, how to understand um, what this text is telling us? Sure. I think it's a great question. It's a good place to start when you're thinking about the scriptures. The, the thing about Genesis 1 is that, that we tend to read it as a modern reader. And, and, and what I mean by that is we, we come to it with the, with the kinds of questions that modern readers ask. And so the kind of questions that modern readers are asking usually when they approach Genesis 1 is, is how or what? Like, how did this happen? What is it that happened? But the text in Genesis 1 isn't exactly concerned with answering the questions of of men and women in 2021. The the text is actually uh, doing what it intends to do, and it's up to us to to learn to cooperate with it. So if you approach uh, Genesis 1 and you want to try to cooperate with it, you have to figure out what it really wants you to be asking. And and the, the text, because of the patterns of repetition, uh, if you go in the beginning, God, verse three, God said, verse six, God said, verse nine, God said, verse 11, God said, verse 14, God said, uh, verse 20, God said. When you start picking up that pattern, you start realizing that the heart of the questions that need to be asked in Genesis 1 are not really how or what. They're really who questions. And so the text is trying to answer the question, the who is God. And so when you think about the original author, who is Moses, uh, we recognize that God carried Moses forward with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit uh, used Moses. But you also have to think in terms of the original audience. And what is God trying to communicate to the original audience? God is not interested in Genesis chapter 1 with telling them where dinosaurs happened. Right? He's actually concerned with saying, it's me, God, and I'm the one who created. 
Uh, and so that's really where the text begins, and I think it's an important uh, distinction to start with because the text demands that you that you ask the who question and not the what. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. So if if we come to the text and, and we're saying this is a, a who and not a not a what and not a how, it's who and the who is indeed God. What all can can we learn about God in Genesis one? Yeah, that that's a great question. When you think about the the kinds of things that you can learn in chapter one, it's a it is the very first introduction of God's character to His people, um, and so immediately you you see in uh, verse one that 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 God was present before the beginning, which tells you right from verse one this is this is a God who's preexistent. He is eternal from before time began. Uh, that's that's immediately telling us something about his character. Uh, the next thing you recognize is the power of God. This is a this is a God who evidently can speak and things happen. Um, I think any parent recognizes. Uh, how profoundly powerful that would be, right? You, uh, I can't speak and get my dog to move, let alone create something. But God has the power in his very word to cause there to be formation of something from nothing. And so that tells us again about his power. You can also see that this is a God who is, um, in some sense, uh, unchangeable. So we, we, we would word, use the word uh, immutable, meaning he, he cannot change. And, and the reason you can pick that up in the text is because you start to see these regular rhythms and patterns which the, the original readers would have noticed. Oh, okay, so there's an evening and there's a morning, and that's how my day is counted. There's another evening, there's another morning, and that's how my next day is counted. And then we have a week where, uh, where you know, when you start chapter two, you have rest at the end of, the, at the end of each week. And so you recognize that there is a revelation of God's unchangeable nature, which is which is revealed in the text. So, I mean, that, those are just three kind of off the top of the head. You, you've got his immutability, his his unchangeable nature, and his power. Uh, all three of those immediately in the text. Man, that's awesome! Just learning about God's character in the in the first chapter of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess hopping back towards, you know how how God would have us to approach this text um, looking to him. Um, it seems like a lot of people uh, place a lot of emphasis on trying to reconcile this text to science, to, to, to reconcile the, the cre- creation narrative um, to, to modern science. And so I guess what we want to ask is, is this even a necessary thought to bring to Genesis 1? Um, do we have the duty to reconcile modern science to, to the creation narrative as we see it here? Uh, yeah, people are asking that question um, because of presuppositions that they bring, right? But I, I contend that people don't do that with math books. Like I, I contend that when somebody approaches a math book, they recognize that it's not going to be a pleasant afternoon reading. Like they're not looking for it to be a narrative and tell a great story. They're actually approaching the the, the math book, expecting it to explain mathematics. Uh, likewise, when you're approaching a science book, you're expecting it to explain in in great detail uh, the things which we have discovered and, and understood to be true. The funny thing is, when you, when people come to the Bible, there is a tendency to try to. I guess people don't know how to approach it, right? So they so they try to approach it through some lens of another type of book. But if you if you want to be a good reader 
of the passage, you really have to learn to figure out how does it mean to communicate and what's going on there. So <clears throat> it's best to really approach chapter one of Genesis, really all of the Bible, with the with the perspective that that we're going to cooperate with how it wants to speak. Um, and 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 so by doing that, it, I have to lay aside my own desires for what I want it to do. Um, I think every four year old child who's ever asked the question where did dinosaurs come from or how did God make this or make that? It, it, that child is actually proving the nature of who we are and that is that we want to we want to investigate, we want to learn and discover and figure things out. But uh, maturity from that four-year-old is necessary in order to start understanding uh, more. And, and what I mean by that is is when you're four, you're asking those questions. But if you're still 24 and, and 34 and 54 and not, not willing to cooperate with the math book for being a math book or a science book for being a, a science book, then, then you're actually proving yourself to be ignorant in that sense. It, maturity as a reader means that I learn how to cooperate with what the author intends to communicate. And so Genesis 1 wants to show uh, straight out of the gate, there is a God. He is, he is eternal. He is infinite. He is unchanging. Um, and, and when I start picking up those things, then you start asking even more complicated questions like what, what would this have meant to the original audience who had, were, were coming out of slavery in Egypt and were suddenly encountering uh, the character of the God who says, I'm going to be a God to you. That's really, really profound. So anyway, I, I hope that helps on that. Yeah, and, and just kind of to, to summarize and, and ask, um, I guess, you know, our, our Westminster Shorter Catechism summarizes creation in saying that, that God created all things from nothing in the space of six days and all very good and he did this by his word of power, right? So that's kind of like that elementary coming to this text and seeing, yes, God did create all things in the space of six days and all very good. But if we come to this text and, and, and to that, to the Westminster, we say yes and amen. That is, that is awesome. We, we don't believe less than that, but we come to the text and we say, but there's also a lot more than just coming to see that God created the heavens and the earth in six days and all very good. Mm -hmm. This tells us so much about the, the character of God. Is that, is that correct to, to, to say that's kind of what you're explaining here? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it, it is really, uh, I think you've stated it well. It's not, a, it's not an I wish that God would give us more in the passage than he's given us. It's really that he has given us more in the passage than we think he's given us. Uh, and, and that is, we're, we're coming with presuppositions, trying to boil it down to, did it really happen in six days? Did it really happen in 24-hour days? Uh, was Adam a literal Adam? And, and, and my personal conviction is, yes, all of those things are true. But my other conviction is that the Lord is communicating more than that. In fact, so much more than that. So that if, if we believe that Genesis is the gateway to the rest of the Bible— that's how the Lord intended to introduce himself, by, by beginning to reveal himself as the creator, beginning to reveal himself as the one uh, with these qualities of character. And then likewise, the text also tells us more about man than we would otherwise have. What does it say in 27? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So suddenly, the original reader gets a sense not only of who God is, but who man is. 
so that I, you, Adam, and the, and the guy who's been a slave in Egypt for the whole of his life suddenly comes to the place where he recognizes, oh, I bear the image of God, which means that I have an inherent dignity to me and my life is most deeply um, fulfilled in being rooted in that image-bearing status, living out who God intended me to be. You have language of being fruitful and multiply and exercising dominion. So the original audience would have started to go, oh, I'm hungry to, to actually live out that kind of dominion. So anyway, yeah, there's so much more here. Man, that's awesome. Well, as we conclude this week's podcast uh, in Genesis chapter one, we pray that you will um, come back to this text with a hunger for more than what you came to it the last time, uh, with a hunger to see God, to see his attributes. Um, and as Eric said, just to, to be hungry for uh, the dominion that, that Christ eventually has brought back to us. Um, so Eric, thank you for uh, enriching our knowledge on this text. Um, sure. Thank you so much for, for doing this, William. I appreciate it. All right. Much. Well, we all have a blessed day, and we pray that you will be a blessing to others as you go out. See you guys later. Take care.